Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord for more than seven decades, and these life studies represent his contribution to the ever-expanding understanding of the revelation of the Bible. The purpose of these life studies is to present the truths contained in the scriptures and to minister the genuine life supply, to solve the common and hard problems found in the Bible and to open up every book of the Bible through interpretation. We're very happy to bring you selected portions from his speaking today. If you'd like to learn more about the Life Studies, please visit our website at lifestudy.com. Simply lifestudy.com. Now, here's today's program. Just two days prior to his death, the Lord Jesus gathered with his disciples in a small house in the tiny village of Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem. This little house, the house of a leper that Jesus had cleansed at the beginning of his ministry, had become his dwelling place during his final days. Each night he would depart Jerusalem and return to this very humble and simple home. And now, as the hour of his death approaches, one of the great encounters in all the scriptures takes place. Let's read the account in Mark 14. Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were two days away, And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking a way to seize him by craftiness and kill him. For they said, Not at the feast, lest there be a tumult by the people. And while he was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he reclined at table. A woman came, having an alabaster flask of ointment, a very costly pure nard. And she broke the alabaster flask and poured it over his head. But there were some who were indignantly commenting among themselves, Why has this waste of the ointment been made? For this ointment could have been sold for over three hundred denarii and given to the poor, and they were infuriated with her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a noble deed on me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want you can do good for them. But you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done shall also be told as a memorial of her. Bob Danker has joined us. And Bob, it's good to have you back. I think it's uh, marvelous you could join us for this one. This is a very special portion, isn't it? It certainly is. This is an account that many people are familiar with, but to see the real intrinsic significance of all these things is a great, great revelation and something that is so important for our Christian life and a Christian experience. You know, a characteristic, Bob, of this life study so often is uh, we have studied and read the Bible ourselves. We see these stories, these accounts like this one in the Gospels, in the New Testament, and we see them as isolated events and some we like more than others. But the life study is so unique in that it puts all of these things together in such a marvelous way and gives us a context through which we get exposed to a vision of God's economy, God's purpose, God's plan. And this story now, as we will see it today, in that light takes on even much greater importance and significance, doesn't it? It certainly does, Chris. 
All right, let's join Witness Lee. Uh, I'll remind our listeners we're going to pick this up in the midst of a, a portion where he introduces us not only to Mary, the one we just met in these few verses, but also uh, the owner of this house in Bethany, this small house, a man named Simon the leper. The Lord seemed not to take any pleasure in dwelling in the city of Jerusalem itself and at the temple, but this uh, little house just outside of Jerusalem had become a very favorite and meaningful spot, hadn't it? It had, Chris. Actually, the Lord was not welcome in Jerusalem. He was rejected there, but he was certainly received with much love in Bethany. All right, let's join Witness Lee. You could see in this one section so short, three things emerge together. The opposers plot, right? They plotted to kill him. And then his lovers. And the lover mainly was a leper, quite meaningful. And then his betrayer. One of his disciples would betray him. You see, these three things emerge into one person. It's quite meaningful. Number one, you have to realize this one who is now here. Who is this one? At this very moment, outside him, could you find God? Say it. Outside him, could you find God? Now, where is he now? In the temple? Where is he? He left the temple. The temple got condemned. I tell you, all the disciples were filled, occupied with the temple. Why? Because God was there. That was their concept. That was the house of God. But even I do believe up to this point, including Peter, they didn't realize when Jesus walked out of the temple, God left that house. Why? Because Christ Jesus was God. And he went to the mount and looked at the temple he told his disciples, oh, the very temple which you admire it will be just destroyed. That will be replaced by me. Who is me? I am just God. Now, I would not remain there. I would come to Bethany to a small home, a home of a leper. Today, God's home is where? God's home is with the lepers. We all are the cleansed lepers. Now, in this home, a small home, two classes of people. One is represented by a cleansed leper. This leper set up a feast. While this God was feasting there, another one came, a sister came, to anoint him. So here you have two lovers, Simon, the leper, Love the Lord, prepare the feast for him. And then Mary, another lover, she was the one out of whom seven demons were cast out. Today, God's house is just composed with lepers cleansed, with demon-possessed people released. Far away, we are on the one hand lepers cleansed. On the other hand, demon-possessed people released. The home at Bethany was a miniature of the church life. Who are here? Who are here? Lepers. 
demon-possessed people, but all became lovers of Jesus. Amen. They just love this one. Bob, this is a, one of those cases where the contrast is so striking. No longer is God's house this great, grand religious facade. His house has now been replaced by just himself, surrounded by cleansed lepers and formerly demon-possessed ones who have been released and delivered. What a picture. What a picture. The Lord just did not have any heart to stay with the religious ones, and they had no heart to receive him. In fact, they were plotting to kill him. (laughs) They were that category of people, the negative category. But the Lord found some who would not pay attention to anything. They didn't care for the temple. They didn't care for the Jewish religion. They cared only for the Lord. They were his lovers. Of course, the Lord had in case of this uh, man, Simon, the Lord had healed him from his leprosy. And in the case of Mary, he had released her from demon possession. And this is a picture of all of those whom the Lord has cleansed as sinners. As sinners, we're all lepers. Mm. And we all have the leprosy of sin. Right. And as sinners, we are all involved with demons. But the Lord, in his salvation has cleansed us from our leprosy and released us from our demon possession. So that what? So that we can love him and enjoy him and focus all of our attention on the Lord himself. We could be even be delivered from the outward things, mm-hmm. such as the great temple, which was there, was such a magnificent edifice, such a magnificent structure, but the Lord left it. He walked out of it, and that symbolizes that God had left that physical house, and he was now seeking another kind of dwelling place, not in a religious setting but and in a physical building, but in those whom he had cleansed and had released. This is those who would love him and would take him as the center and as everything in their whole life and their whole being. He began that uh, portion with this uh, marvelous question, we have to realize, who is this one? And number two, we have to realize, where is this one today? Peter had gotten the revelation at Caesarea Philippi just a short time before this, who this one was. Then, of course, they got a vision and saw him in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. But still, they were slow uh, to really appreciate uh, the disciples I'm talking about. Yet here was uh, two simple ones, you know, this demon-possessed uh, and released woman, this cleansed leper, Simon, they seem to enter into the reality more readily than even the disciples had. We're going to come to that, particularly in this portion, as we now focus on Mary and this marvelous act that she committed upon the Lord that the Lord said should be a memorial wherever the gospel is preached. Three times the Lord had told all the disciples that he was going to be killed, offered up, and resurrected. Three times the disciples missed it, but at least one Got it. All right, here's Witness Lee. While he was feasting, another lover, Mary, poured out the top thing in her life upon this one, indicating that this one is everything to her. And uh, listen, this is quite crucial. The Lord said, she did something beforehand for my burial. And this indicates that Mary had 
surely received the Lord's word about his death and about his rising up. She heard three times. Peter didn't get it. I don't believe Peter got it. But she got it. She knew after a short time, this one whom I love to the uttermost will be killed. And by that time, I will have no chance to anoint him. Right before he's dead, while he's still here, I take the chance to pour out my ointment upon him. I anoint him for his burial. She has, no doubt, been brought into the death and resurrection of Christ. She was pouring out her best upon these all-inclusive replacement for his burial. She took his death and she took his resurrection that she may have the full enjoyment of him. You know, she was the one who discovered the resurrection. Early in the morning on the day of the Lord's resurrection, she was there. She was the first one who discovered the empty tomb who heard the word of his resurrection. And she was all the first one who met the Lord in his resurrection. She has been prepared. She was going through all the process which her Lord passed through. Wherever the Lord was, she was there, and she was fully prepared. She realized that the Lord was going to die. She took the word in. So she took the chance to anoint him for his burial. And just by this one step, she took the Lord's death and the Lord's resurrection. Bob Wallop, Peter, the disciples uh, continued to miss it. Here was one who got it. And I like his phrase here in this last little bit. She got it because she took the Lord's word in. This is key, isn't it? It really is. The Lord's word speaks of his person, of course, but it also speaks of his death and his resurrection. And the way for us to enjoy the Lord himself as the person is to experience his death and resurrection. It's impossible for us to have Christ as everything to us Mm -hmm. if we are not willing to, to receive his word concerning his death and resurrection, which includes all of us. Not only was Christ crucified on the cross, we were crucified with him. So that means we need to enter into his death and experience it ourselves so that everything of ourselves and everything of the old creation would be terminated in our experience. Then we need to enter into his resurrection And in his resurrection, he is the life-giving spirit, the wonderful, all-inclusive spirit for our enjoyment. So the only way for us to really experience and enjoy Christ as our everything, as the replacement, as Bradley uses this term, the all-inclusive replacement for everything. God's intention in his economy is to replace everything with Christ, Mm -hmm. to have nothing but Christ himself. And this Christ needs to become everything to us, and he needs to become our enjoyment. But without his death and resurrection, 
we cannot enjoy him fully. So we must embrace his word concerning his death and resurrection and be willing to be led by him into the experience of his death and resurrection as we see Mary was here. We saw in previous programs, and of course it's it's quite obvious, that Christ alone suffered the death. But here is a picture of one clearly who entered into the experience of that death. And so we're not talking about physically, literally uh, joining him in that suffering. That was uniquely his portion on our behalf for us. But still, there is the reality of entering into the experience of his death, as Mary did, and then she got the reward. She also got the first uh, uh, enjoyment of him in resurrection, didn't she? That's right. She was one with the Lord, identifying herself with him as he was preparing to be crucified. And then she was there at the tomb after he was buried, ready to receive him in his resurrection. I mean, she was an amazing and wonderful lover of the Lord, a real pattern for all of us. You pointed out as we were talking uh, before we we began recording today, could be that she even, you know, she chose the third day to show up there at the tomb. Uh, He did say that he would rise on the third day, so it's very likely this speaking as well entered into her, didn't it? That's marvelous, Chris. She really received the Lord's word. And we need to be people like this, who received the Lord's word and received the enlightenment from the Lord to understand what the Lord is talking about, what the Lord is speaking, so that we can experience what he is speaking of. Bob, in our last section, we want to go back and join the scene in this little house in Bethany outside Jerusalem where the Lord is there, enjoying his loving followers. Chapter 14 is a continuation of this preparation. This preparation began with chapter 13, unveiling to the disciples how God's economy would be going on to produce a new man. Then, after that, he continued to prepare them by going into such a wonderful small home composed with cleansed lepers and released demon-possessed people to enjoy such a love there, to enjoy the feast and to enjoy the anointing. There the Savior was filled up, satisfied, and he was just anointed. And this time, his anointing was not God anointing him, but one of his lovers anointing him with her love. In that little home, he is everything. In that every home, he replaced everything. All his lovers didn't have anything within them and around them. What they had by that time was just this wonderful person. He was everything in that home. And that home was a miniature of the church life. In the church, what do we have here? Christ. Just a bunch of lepers cleansed by him. And a group of demon-possessed persons released by him. Within our heart, in our eyes, in front of us, within us, around us, nothing but him. We just take him as everything through what? Through his death and resurrection. 
Bob, he's the universal replacement. He has replaced this grand religious edifice, the temple, in all its magnificence with himself, surrounded by this little group of people in this little, simple, humble, modest, probably very poor home. And Witness Lee just told us this is a picture of really what the church life is today. Isn't that marvelous? It is. What is the church life? The church life is this wonderful person, the Lord Jesus Christ, surrounded by cleansed lepers and released demon-possessed people, people who were once sinners, but they have been cleansed and released by him, and they have identified themselves fully with him in his death and in his resurrection. And through his death and resurrection, to them... Everything has been crucified, terminated. It has become nothing. And he has become everything to them. They just love him. (laughs) They love him. They focus on him. They care for nothing but the enjoyment of him. And he's their center. And he's the content of their whole being. And what does this make them? This makes them the new creation. The new man, which is God's goal in his economy, is to produce a new man, a new creation by terminating the old creation through the death of Christ and germinating the new creation through the resurrection of Christ. And in this new creation, which really is the new man, according to Colossians, there's no Greeks, no Jews, no slave, no free, no natural persons, but Christ is all and in all. So Christ is everything in the new creation, in the new man. And how is this possible? Just through the Lord's death and his resurrection, by our participating and experiencing his death and resurrection and our entering into the full enjoyment of him as the replacement for everything. Including us. Including us. Yeah, even replacing us. (laughs) Ron pointed out yesterday This is the reality of uh, Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. These cleansed lepers, these uh, demon-possessed ones who'd gotten released were letting him even replace them. He had replaced the outward things, the religious things. Now he's replacing even these ones, his lovers, in a very real way. That's marvelous. And this is why we need to experience his death and resurrection. Without his death and resurrection, he cannot replace us. And this is what produces the new man in the new creation. Isn't it marvelous, Bob, that here two days before his death, there's no indication in him that there's any anxiety, any struggling. He is enjoying feasting. He's enjoying the anointing being supplied by not just God the Father, but in this case by these dear ones, these lovers of his. So what a picture They're enjoying him. He's enjoying them. This is the church life. This is the church life, (laughs) a mutual enjoyment between this wonderful, all-inclusive Christ who has become the life-giving spirit and who indwells all of his lovers, and he enjoys them as they enjoy him. This is the church life, and the issue is the new creation. The issue is the new man. Well, that is... um all the time we have for today. I think we've ended this portion of the life study of Mark on a very proper note. I feel uh, quite satisfied within. We've had some enjoyment today as well, Bob. If you're enjoying this portion from the Gospel of Mark, we know you'll want to be around for the finish as we uh, wrap up this life study. So that's it. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. 
Thank you very much for listening, and don't forget our toll-free number. If you'd like to get the printed material, both for Mark or Exodus or anything else that we offer here, call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Thank you for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For 21 years, Witness Lee conducted a comprehensive life study, unveiling how the Bible presents Christ coming to be life to man. These audio programs are based on those messages. But to get the full riches of the life study, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. From there, you can read over 1,800 life study messages in their entirety, or download more audio programs like this one, all free of charge. Again, the website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening today. What does it really mean to be born again? Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3. To be born anew is to be born from above, from heaven. That is to be born from God who is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is a divine realm to be entered into, a realm that requires the divine life. Only the divine life can realize the divine things. Hence, for one to see or to enter into the kingdom of God requires that he be regenerated with the divine life. Scripture John 3, verse 3, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.